When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Alan Vibey has been in the bluegrass limelight since the early 80s. As an original member of the new Quicksilver, Third Time Out, and Blue Ridge, Alan is now leading his own band for the last eight years, Alan Bybee and Grasstown, and has become a top-rated mandolin player, winning the 2019 and 2020 IBMA Mandolin Player of the Year Award. Alan is my guest on this edition of Americana Music Profiles. Hi, Alan. Welcome to the podcast. Great to be with you, Greg. Good to talk to you, sir. I'm glad we got a chance to, to catch up and talk some bluegrass. How's things going in South Carolina? Not too bad. A little bit, little bit rainy for me, but other than that, it's going pretty good. Yeah, right. We're, well, I guess we're further up enough. The uh, we're further closer to the mountains. We're going to get some snow here. I guess you guys are just getting rain, but it's that time of the year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Where I'm, where I'm from in North Carolina, my family's calling me, telling me they're getting a little snow every now and then. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, always that uh, that February March. You never know what the what to expect so that's right we'll, we'll just that's have right. to take it yeah. as it comes <laughs> that's right <laughs> are you guys getting to play any we really haven't uh, other than in the studio we've we played one gig that's the last you know since everything shut down in uh, march yeah wow middle of, middle of, we played we played pretty steady through the middle of march and then that was it you know? yeah what's it looking like but, you think you guys are going to get to get out this year any indication yet i hope so we have a we have a Quite a few shows, but yeah, you know they they tend to keep falling by the wayside a little bit. But we do have one I know in Branson, Missouri. I think it's going to happen. They 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 did the thing at Silver Dollar City. Yeah, where they have, uh, Bluegrass Month, but I think they've scaled it down. But I think they I think that will happen in May. Yeah, and I hope I hope Bean Blossom and a few other things happen in June. But I I still think it. It'll probably be between somewhere between twenty five and forty percent. I would imagine. I would imagine uh, so uh, too. Yeah, for uh, every year. Yeah. yeah, it's just so frustrating for everybody I know. So, uh, yeah. we're, we're certainly crossing our fingers on that one. Um, Definitely. So you have been playing bluegrass music for uh, a few years, right? <laughs> yeah, quite a few years. <laughs> when when did it all start for you? Uh, when I was. When I was five, but really, I guess before then, because my, my uh, dad had grew up loving bluegrass, and my grandpa, they they went to a primitive Baptist church that didn't have music, but they both loved bluegrass, yeah. and dad had always wanted to play. So he, my mom, when they were 16, and her brothers all played, so mm. they, need, they needed a mandolin player, so he started playing mandolin with them, and that, at the time, they had these contest in North Carolina called Fiddler's Convention and, right. and Virginia, Southern, Southern Virginia. Sure. Was, I guess that was a really, I guess for a long time, even before I came along, that was a big deal. Yeah. But, uh, but they were, 
I mean, it seemed like they were almost every weekend, probably averaged every other weekend, somewhere within a two or three hour radius, there was a Phillips Commission, you know. Yeah. And, and it was great. It, I, I'm sure I was going to them in the womb, I, <laughs> I imagine. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I got uh, you know plenty of that at a really young age, but I remember my dad took me to see Bill Monroe in our next town over oh, from where cool. we live yeah. when, I, when I was five, and he had to, he was on the back of a flatbed truck, and he had to hold me on his shoulders so I could see, and hmm. I was sort of thinking, gosh, that's the most awesome thing I've ever seen. And uh, on the way home, I said, man, that's what I, that's what I want to do. And he took right. me home, he showed me some chords, and he said, I, I started chopping right away, which, which sounds impressive, but I'd probably heard so much music by that time. Yeah. It brought my disappointment if I hadn't started <laughs> chopping in time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that's how, kinda, how it got started, and then, you know, eventually uh, we got into the, my dad told me he must have loved banjo from the start because he said, uh, "When you be, when you get to be a better mandolin player than me, I'm gonna start playing banjo." So, oh, okay. <laughs> and about that, by the time I was eight, he said I was better than him. So he really went, he started playing he started playing banjo. And we started playing all those. Con- that's about the about the time I started playing those contests. Uh huh. Wow. And, cool. and it was really it was really great training because it they most of them judged you within a band format, so you were learning instrumentals but also how to play within a band so it was, right. it was really cool yeah yeah and you kind of uh began professionally i guess if that's the right word in in the early 80s kind of moving into playing out with different bands and actually were able to kind of help start some of the uh, uh bands that that were instrumental kind of in that second wave of bluegrass yeah well i i've always kind of put my official date of starting really playing nationally was like in 1985 with New Quicksilver when I was 20 but before that when I was 15 I was playing it me and Sammy Sheeler were playing in a band together he was older than me and mm-hmm. it was the first first band that I'd played in that that got out of the you know within a we went out of our region we went out six or seven hours out to play places like Buddy's Barbecue and yeah, yeah. all that kind of stuff in Knoxville but so we had a band together with Barry Barrier, who's also people a lot of people know. And uh, but then after that, I was in a band with Wes Golding for a while. So if you count all of that, I've probably I've been playing professionally, kind of at least for, for around forty years. Wow, wow! And you you spent some time with Third Time Out, right? Yeah, after after the New Quicksilver broke up, we started that group and played for two, about three years, I guess. Yeah. And then uh, a couple of years later. Uh, Russell and Ray called me and asked me would I be interested in doing something. And I said, you starting a band? And I said, well, sure. So uh, uh, we got together and didn't have a banjo player at the time. And they asked me if I know of anybody. And I've been playing, still been playing some local gigs and shows with Terry Balcom. And I said, well, I think Terry maybe would be, he might be, a, a, I know he'd be a great one if we just, if uh, he wants to do it. So he ended up taking the gigs. So that, that was the original band was Russell and Ray and Mike and me and, and Terry Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And then uh, Blue Ridge? Yeah. Right? Blue Ridge? Yeah. Well, after that, yeah. It, well, I played I played one summer with uh, and recorded one project with Lou Reed. And then uh, and th- that was why we were getting Blue Ridge together, which was actually the new Quicksilver. Oh, okay. Okay. But at the time, when we started that band, it was it was the new Quicksilver just under the Blue Ridge name. Uh-huh. And it, it, it finally morphed into being... 
me at the end, at the last few years, it was me and Junior Sisk and Eddie Biggerstaff and and some guys. But it was uh, that was a good that was over a ten year run for wow. me there in that in that band. Have you always been uh, able to pursue this kind of from a a full-time perspective? Yeah, that's the only thing I've ever, except for maybe that time, maybe the uh, couple years in between New Crook Silver and Third Time Out, I was doing other other things and still playing music. And at one time I was going to school playing music and and, uh, and working a job too. But other than that, that's all I've done since I was... 20 years old or wow. before. Wow. Yeah. What What do you, so, you've been able to be a part of those groups that, that are in the, uh, in the collective mind of bluegrass. People know, know those groups and, and the contribution that they have made to the music industry and then have been able to, um, to get, uh, win some awards and some industry accolades with, with bands and, and yourself personally, do you have any sense of what makes the difference? Uh, what what has allowed you to be able to to be on the the cutting edge of all of this and be able to uh, be out there and in front? And you know, there's so many other uh, players from small towns and those kinds of things that w- would love to um, to have the same success. If if someone was asking, you know, what's uh, what's the path to be able to sh- to realize that kind of success, what would you say to them? Uh, I think a lot of it is uh, just being stubborn and not ever taking <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no for no, no for an answer and just being determined. I mean, I was, I remember from a, I'm a, I had a first cousin that played music also, and he played, he's played professionally all his life, but he plays at a, a venue down here in Myrtle Beach that on the, it's called the Carolina Opry. Sure, uh-huh. and uh, but it, but he played with a band called Boot Hill who were. Uh, uh, Louisa Branscombe was in was in that band, yeah. you know. So, uh, but he so he got out and played. And I remember one one point he was four or five years older than me, and he was learning and helping me with technique and stuff. And I remember one time him telling me, "I'm I'm going to be the best mandolin player in the world." And I just remember thinking to myself, "No, you're not, because I'm going." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I said, I thought I just had that determination. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just had that. Always uh, had even even when things. Uh, look bad, you know, so if something goes wrong or, you know, people quit in the band or something like that, it used to kind of get me down and it would, but and for a minute I might be down, but then I, for, you know, the next day I'd wake up and I'd be like even more determined mm-hmm. to do, you know, to, to do it. I just think, I know everybody is, uh, everybody's, and I'm sure, I mean, I, I praise the Lord for any gifts, uh, for all the gifts he's given me for sure, but you've also, I've also put in a gazillion hours playing. Right. I mean, I I play and I and I worked on technique and doing things right, doing them playing slow, working on my technique, getting it right, mm-hmm. not just trying to get everything up to speed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've and not to toot my own horn, but you got if you re- you got to want it bad to, mm-hmm. to really get really good on your instrument. And you know, we're talking about being the best. I know that, that's so subjective, but it's I I think what I probably meant was I was going to be the best I could be. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, well, the industry sure has acknowledged that a few times for you. So, um, it, the, <laughs> the hard work has paid off. <laughs> well, I'd say I do. I, somebody asked me one day, you know, did that really, you know, that really mean that much 
to you or whatever. And I said, you know, I guess it, some people want me to say, no, no, it, you know, it don't really mean that much, but it, but it does. I mean, when yeah. you, when you've worked all your life that hard for something and looked up, you know, in the category with Sam Bush and yeah. people that I, that I really looked up to when I was growing up and all the guys like Ricky Skaggs, you know, and I, now I'm, now I'm buddies with all those guys. Yeah, and, that's cool. You know, it, it just it just it just means it does mean a lot when yeah. when you're recognized as a peer. You know, sure. Yeah, yeah, and it it certainly um, points to uh, your determination and and that, that drive to to be the best. And then when you can realize it's you know like an Olympian winning a gold medal. You know, it's it's kind of that prize at the end of the contest where you. Yeah. Okay. So the, all that work did actually pay off. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to pause for just a moment. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the interview. So tell me about Grasstown. When did that uh, get started, and and what led you to to launch out on your own and create your own band? Well, actually, you know, I guess I, it's been a, a kind of crazy career for me because I've always been a partner. And every band I've ever been in. Mm, okay. So I've, I've, but when I, you know, when I was a partner with New Quicksilver, I didn't know anything about the business. I was just there. I was just so young. I was mm. just out, happy to be out playing. I didn't know. I, I didn't know anybody. You know. <laughs> uh, so, but all that, my third time out being a partner in that band, I got, I got to see more and more and learn more and more about the business. And so by the time we started Blue Ridge. I, I was handling all the business even then. That's been, you know, that was 97, so that's been a long time ago right. now. okay. So I, I, I had pretty good training at that. But uh, so, it, but when we started this grass town, it was me, Steve Gully, and uh, Phil Ledbetter. And that was in, uh, gosh, that was around uh, 06, end of 06 or something okay. like that now. So uh-huh. it's, it's been a, a while. Um and then it, you know, as bands do, they morph into what they are. In the last uh, six or seven years, it's uh, it's been Alan, Bobby, and Grasstown, and uh, we just got some great folks folks in the band, and uh, it's been a, a great experience. And you guys have released how many records? We've released. Uh, <clears throat> this is our sixth okay. record, right? And the new one is um, Hitchhiking to California. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the name of the, of the project. And that's a that's a tune that I record I recorded with New Quicksilver back in 1985. Okay. And uh, it was a tune written by Wes Golden, who I you know like I said I got to play with after he quit Boone Creek, and I was the biggest Boone Creek Creek fan in the world. Wow, that's cool. so. Uh, yeah. I was, I was super uh, nervous to even be playing in a band. Yeah, but uh, we got to be really good friends, and we've co-written a lot of tunes now. And uh, he's just a a wonderful, talented songwriter, player, and and singer. But uh, they'd actually, I didn't know Phil Ledbetter's my. He's got all these live tapes of Boone Creek, and I've got a few, but he's got a bunch. Mm -hmm. And they actually they actually performed Hitchhiking to California, but never recorded it. So when we got together, you know, with New Quicksilver. It was on Terry Balkan's radar, so yeah. we ended up, ended up recording that. I've always, I've always thought about recording that again, but got it. That original recording, recording not because of me, but because these other guys were so great. 
that original recording is super strong, so right. I, I knew it had to be super strong to, 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 after that uh, cut of it, you know. Yeah, and, and that's that's the uh, just it's just out, right? It it hasn't been out long. No, it just came out the 29th. Okay, good. And that was the first single off of it. It's been we've been lucky enough and fortunate that it's been number one four times. And I think I read this is your first record on um, Billy Blue Records, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Our first, first one. Yeah. yeah. We're really, uh, really uh, having a great time being with Billy, Billy Blue Records. They've been everybody. It's just been super. So I, could, I mean, it's uh, been a great experience. Who's playing with you on this record? It is uh, our banjo player that's been with us since at least on half of our records now. He's been with us about six, seven years for the most part. Uh, Justin Jenkins from around Nixon to Kentucky. He's mm-hmm. just a, he's a super banjo player. I mean, he's a younger guy. He's like 34, but he plays like a, I mean, he's, I guess he lives that's something in the water up there around him and J.D. <laughs> Crow. They're big, but they're big buddies. Yeah. But man, he's, he's just, a, he's incredible. And, um, uh, Zach McClam has been with us about six years now on the bass. Uh, he's been the bass player of the year at Stigma the last two years. That's awesome. But that that was really good. And uh, our guitar player, Tony Watt, he's been with us about three years now. And then our newest member that's on this project is Katie Penn, who a lot of bluegrassers know. She had her own band called Newtown for a long oh, time. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, okay. Just a great great singer and fiddle player okay yeah that's awesome they had some great songs yeah that's cool yeah definitely yeah, yeah. so tell me a little bit about this record what's the what's the feel of it uh, still more in the traditional line how many of these are originals what, what do you got going on on this record uh well we got it's a it's a pretty good mixture i think it's a great it's some of it's uh it's <laughs> very varied after the uh you know our last gospel album was uh super successful and I I'm still it's still funny because when we started that album I told everybody that at the time I didn't think gospel albums got played as much as as you know regular albums uh right at that, 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 that time I said so we're just gonna be you know it's just what we think the Lord led us to do and we'll do it for that reason because we're, you know that's, that's probably what it's gonna be and it's turned out to be our probably most successful record that we've ever had wow, that's and it's awesome. gospel record, record of the year last year so that, that goes to show you there yeah but, um, sure yeah so uh, this album uh, we decided not to really put two or three gospel but we just put one gospel tune on that I that I had had an idea for and, and about had about half three quarters of the way written and okay. I'm, I'm really getting days with uh, Ronnie Bowman we uh, met he, Met when we were sixteen. I kind of got him into bluegrass. He 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 tells me sometimes he don't know whether he should be mad or uh, <laughs> love me because of that. But uh, so we we write together a lot. He helps me finish a lot of tunes. So we wrote a gospel tune on there called uh, "When He When He Calls My Name." Uh-huh. And uh, then I had we have a uh, we actually decided ask Wes about helping uh, going back and writing a third verse for. Hitchhiking to California to change it up a little bit, make it a little bit longer too. And uh, uh-huh. Wes was all co- totally cool with that. So me and Jerry Sally co-wrote the new version of that with him. Oh, cool! And and then uh, my dad, I mentioned, passed away a couple years ago now, and I uh, 
I wrote this song just really as a like a therapeutic thing for me, you sure. know. Uh, and I just I had to have it on a tape, and I sent it to the guys really accidentally. And out, when I got to the studio, they were all like, "Man, we got to do that." Oh, cool! So, and I yeah. like, so we, we would do it. It's called Daddy and Me. So we uh, done that, done that awesome. too, too on there. And Jerry Sally helped me uh, finish that one too, and yeah. and improved it some. But then we have, uh, gosh, other tunes that just some great songwriters. Uh, Craig Market. Uh, uh, our new single is is uh, Blue Collar Blues, which is already doing. Super well, and it's written by Jerry Sally and Rick Lang, two of my favorite guys and sure. songwriters. Yeah. And people are really accepting that really well. And uh, we have a, a tune on there that I, don't, I still don't know where I, I must have heard this because I was one of those guys that grew up in a bluegrass music family, and there was, I never knew there was anything other kind of music of, other than bluegrass until I was eight or nine. I think I heard, <laughs> I heard a Buck Owens record. Yeah, and I thought, man, that's all, that's all bluegrass. Yeah, <laughs> but um, so, so I, I I just been I had it on my mind thinking about songs. We were still a song or two, maybe short, but we had we had plenty of songs. But I woke up one morning and this tune would hit my hit my mind, and I don't know where I I, I must have heard it somewhere. But it, it's the the Super Tramp song called uh, Long Way Home. Oh yeah, right, sure, I love that song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, yeah, I took it to the studio and I said, guys, y'all probably gonna think I am I've lost my mind. But <laughs> let's let's just get, let's just give it a try. <laughs> so yeah. We did and we really worked on it and kinda I think it started like Jerry they loved it. We almost made it in the second single, but we thought we may go a little traditional. That's a little bit far out for us, but yeah, I think it really come out. It come out really good. That's great. So, uh, I'll have to go listen to that one. I didn't get to that one on the on the track list, but that's awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, I grew up with a, those bands a, in the in the seventies and eighties, so I remember them well. <laughs> right, right. So I guess I did hear it, but then I have one song in particular that I, that Katie's singing. That's the only song she's singing on this album. But uh, you probably remember Jake Landers, uh-huh. uh, great songwriter, and he played music with Herschel Sizemore, who I'm. Is one of my he's like my godfather. Uh-huh. Me and him are we're, we found out we're related somewhere down the line. Oh, awesome. My grandma, my grandma is a thousand or so. But anyway, they played music together for a long time. And then I we recorded Ways of Sorrow with you, with you Quick Silver and that and Jake wrote that song wrote that song and then I found out I didn't find out until recently because he never said anything. But he he would send me songs all the time. And he sent, he passed away a few years ago, but he had sent me a CD before he passed away. Of a new song that he had written, hmm. and I and and just last year I went to that CD and this song uh, hit me and I was like, oh my gosh, it's just it's such a such a cool song. And then I got to read his, his bio, and he had written uh, "Down by the Waterfall" from <laughs> from you know the country gentleman did. Yeah, okay, and and also. Um, Walk softly on this heart of mine. Really? That, wow. Yes, like Bill Monroe and the Kentucky Headhunters. Yeah, yeah. Later. So, I mean, he has really, really written some major tunes, and I didn't know that. And I wish I could have let him know that we were cutting this song before, yeah, you know, before yeah. he passed away. But he was just uh, another great guy yeah. and, uh, and great songwriter. Yeah. But it's called I Don't Know When. I Don't Know When's the name of the tune that he wrote, he wrote on there. Okay, wow. 
So then we got an instrumental also on there that our banjo player wrote. We always do mailing instrumentals, so I, I, he had this great banjo instrumental, so I thought we should, we should do that this time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love all the backstories of these these songs, and, and a lot of people don't ever get to hear that. And, um, I you know, I think it adds so much more depth um, to to these records, you know, when, when you guys put these records out to – um, and I, I know sometimes they show up in the liner notes, and and that's great too. And I, I think it there's added value when the uh, when the when a musician or the creator of the record actually gets to tell these backstories. So I appreciate you adding that that commentary to the uh, to the story of the album because I think it it, it adds adds to it for sure. So uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so again the new record is hitchhiking to california and uh tell people um where they can get in touch with you where they can find the record what's the best way to track with you guys and maybe catch a show okay uh you uh, check us out on grasstown.com that's grasstown one word with an e on the end uh and you can find out what's going on with the band and you can definitely order as many CDs as you like off, off of there. <laughs> the whole case, right? And, uh, that's right. That's right. Uh, but um, and you can find out what, where, we're, where we're playing, and hopefully uh, when we're playing, uh, it won't be too long before we're playing some. And I have a I have a, a mandolin camp that will be in our sixth year this August down here at, at the beach. Uh, that will, that's gonna, It looks like it's going to happen, so oh, we're looking forward to that. Yeah. So all, kind, all kinds of things still still going on, luckily. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, thank you, Alan. I appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk to us about you know, your music and this new record, and we certainly wish you well with it and look forward to crossing paths out there uh, sooner than later. I hope so. I sure appreciate it, Greg. Thank you for everything you do for the music, buddy. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.